What is up, rugby fans? Welcome back to the Safa Pod. After a disappointing weekend of rugby for South Africans, we decided to do something a bit different and change it up. Normal service will be resumed next week, and hopefully after a few weeks to digest, we'll be able to come back with a neutral review of this weekend's rugby. But on this week's episode, we're delighted to be joined by a man who sat on my head, has called Keegan Old a few times, and is just an all-round Kef bloke, comedian and actor Skulk Besedno. Skulk, how are you? Hello. Keegan, I remember this. Wasn't it no. in Edinburgh? <laughs> Do you yeah. <laughs> no, sorry, not... Keegan. I know. You must remember, not... Keegan. You must not take it personally, Keegan, because remember, often before those shows, I am flyering, okay? I am handing out flyers in the beer tent before. And I'm not saying I'm drinking during the flyering, but sometimes the flyering is so cocked because, you know, people are so rude when you're handing out flyers now that when it comes to getting backstage, I often down like half a bottle of wine just before I go on stage just to just to reset myself because I'm so depressed after flyering because there's nothing that's more soul destroying in the world than flyering. So I'm sorry that you had to bear the brunt of it. You know what, you know what, Skulk, Skulk, honestly, I'm I'm a good sport when it comes to comedy shows. I'm always the one that's sitting front row, you know, I'm there for the roast. But you, okay. flipped, <laughs> the one thing that like, everyone says, like, what, you look so much older than you did. It's my one thing and you nailed it. So it was, it was brilliant, man. It was brilliant. It was, it was, it was your own fault. Life. You were the one that was like, we have to sit front and center. So you opened yourself up to be abused. And you know what the funniest thing is? Like, I stand behind that curtain and I don't think people realize that I am like maybe two meters away from them. Like, when the people are walking in, they don't realize they they sit in the front row, they see a little curtain. I'm literally right behind that curtain. They don't realize I can hear every word. So then <laughs> often, often I hear people like going to, like walking into the front row and saying to each other, no, let's sit in the front row. He won't pick on us. I like literally hear that from behind the curtain. And then I just lo- s- s- sit there backstage and laugh to myself and think, okay, they have no idea what they're in for. But I mean, I don't try and pick on people, but I mean, sometimes someone like Keegan's face just asks for it. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Uh, Keeks, it's your own fault, mate. It's your face. Now, Skulk, some people will be wondering kind of, why we've got a, a comedian on what is primarily a rugby podcast really the the official answer is that we wanted to do something different the unofficial answer is the fact that on the on the subject of drinking i'd had a few drinks one night and i was on instagram and i saw your instagram story and i was like who would be great to have on a rugby podcast a fellow south african but a funny one at that and... i know rugby eh? people are actually surprised i was fucking I was up this morning and I had a show last night. Now, now, normally comedians would be sleeping till who knows what time this morning, 12 o'clock. I was up. I set my alarm quarter past eight. I got picked up here at quarter to nine. I was in Henny's in Mosul Bay, which is a, a jewel. Nah? I didn't think a pub in Mosul Bay would be this packed at 9 a.m. I thought most people would go 
No, no, Aim. Okay, look, I'm going to watch at home or I'm going to watch in bed on my laptop on DSTV now. Dude, like, packed. As we got in the door, they said, do you have an appointment or a booking? Because we can't let you in if you don't. Luckily, we knew people who had a booking. And we went in and I was shouting. I was shouting. I started having castle-eyed drafts and I was shouting this morning from 9 to 11 a.m. at the rugby screen. On on that subject, we're we're recording what most people won't know roughly two hours after that bot game. So we, yeah. we might we might need your, your comedic genius to, to cheer us up a little bit. What were your thoughts on the game and where do you think the box went wrong? You know what? I can comment as a professional sportsman myself. I play bowls. Yes, you do. Are you thinking you thinking I'm saying this as a joke? And what does bowls have to do with rugby? But there's a basic principle in sports that has happened to me when I've been playing bowls and it happened to the box today. Across the board, in any sport, this is what happens. If the, the opposite team gets that amount of points that early in the game, it rattles you, yeah, in your brain so much. And I almost want to say it's not impossible but it's very unlikely that you're going to recover from that from that rattle absolutely because I've, I, I played a, i played a bowls tournament with my dad the other day now we beat this one team that beat another team that we lost to so we thought how did we beat the team but the team that beat us they lost to them how is it how is that possible that doesn't make sense you know but the team that we lost to in the first two heads. Okay, I don't know if people know bowls. You play in heads. The first two heads, they picked up 10 points per head. And that just rattled us so much. And I think that's 17-0 at some stage. And that was what? Within the first 10 minutes, 15 minutes? Yeah. I think that threw them. Fuck, they didn't know what was up or down after that. And yeah. Now, Skulk, I'm really interested to hear how you got into comedy because that, that's obviously the, the career path that you've taken. And it's not a career path that a lot of South Africans take. I know it said that while studying at UCT, you slowly began to realize that there was more to life than Budavort and rugby. And you no, started doing... Well, well, ironically, now that I'm older, I'm getting to a point where I think that there is not, nothing more to life than Budavort. <laughs> <laughs> Burvos rugby and red wine. Yeah, yeah. No, that that's the recipe. And and what got you into stand-up comedy? Was it loving drama as a child or? Yeah, it was sort of <clears throat> out of necessity a little bit because I, I got into, I didn't get into the drama degree that I wanted to study at UCT. Um, I didn't, I didn't get, get through, past the audition process. And then I, still went and did a first year BA and obviously a first year BA taking random subjects like sociology and film and media and English, which then later became Afrikaans because I was like, why am I taking English if I can take Afrikaans? You know, it's it's sort of obviously not the most challenging academically and I, I am quite strong academically. And I, I thought, let me try and engage in an art form in some way, shape or form, but you can't. Acting is difficult. You can't call a director and say, put me in a movie. You can't call a, a director of a play and say, hey, I've got some free time now in August. Can you just quickly put me in a play? 
So that that's sort of how I found stand-up comedy. And it stand-up comedy is is a great art form in the sense that it's sort of like painting in the sense that you can do it when you have time to do it. There were times because then I re-auditioned for the degree at the end of 2011 and I got in the second time. And then when we were very busy at varsity, I would just not do gigs. And then in the holidays, I would do gigs like literally sometimes seven nights a week. So stand-up is one of those things. You determine your own schedule. If you only have time for one gig a week, you will only do one gig a week. That's really yeah. interesting. Yeah. You've, you've done shows all over the world, recently visiting Australia. You're coming back to Edinburgh in August to do yeah. a show where myself and, and Keegan saw you last year. Do you do you feel any pressure representing South Africa on the world stage? Because there's not that many South African comedians that can make it internationally. Yeah, I think to an extent, but also, you know, I think once you're at Edinburgh, you just, you're not represent A lot of comedians, they are not representing anyone. You're representing yourself. Because if I go watch a British comedian who sucks... I'm not walking out of that show saying British comedian sucks. I'm going that comedian sucks. So it's it's comedy is way more to do with your name. You're only representing yourself. That's all. Because also people know Trevor Noah. People know he's good. People know he's South African. So if I do a show in Edinburgh that's bad, people are not going to go South African comedians are not good because Trevor Noah has already proved that South African comedians are good. They're just going to go, that Skulk beside note guy we watched is not good. So in that, in that regard, I think you're only representing yourself. So I don't really have a pressure. I don't feel I have a pressure of that. I'm representing South Africa when I'm there. I'm only representing myself. The, the positive part is that if you are good, you are also giving a good name to south african comedians but if you are bad i think you're just bad and people will forget about you and move on luckily <laughs> yeah i think um I, I suppose a lot of people like will see social media and obviously a lot of the com uh, comedians and that will pretty much uh, you know have all their videos go super viral and social media and that and, and people see that but for for people that sort of i mean for, for me one I'd love to have a have a crack at stand-up comedy and that. Um, so I'm not, I might I might just pursue that in in the summertime and that, and just just have a crack. But you know, it, it's probably glamorized in the sense that you know every show's good, every joke lands, and everything like that. But you know, to sort of describe to people the the early stages and the beginning stages of your your comedy career like how did how did that go you know like um what were the events sort of like how many people were there you know how, how many times were you possibly uh not landing those jokes and and getting the the, the reaction from the crowd that you had wished for it's it's literally now that, i mean you guys being a rapid podcast it's literally like the spring especially in the beginning days i think it's literally like the spring box winning against Australia last week and then this week losing against New Zealand. Like it is literally the a big easy win one week, the next week it's a, it's odd, odd fail. It, it's just how it goes, you know, and, and, and you're not necessarily always at fault. It's not to say, because sometimes you do jokes, you do your set, 
your 10 minute set and you do it word for word the same the next week and the one week it kills and the next week it dies it's not to say that you did anything wrong and it's not to say the audience did anything wrong it's just that that night that audience they just weren't feeling you and you weren't feeling them and everyone was just not feeling each other and it just didn't work out I mean, in Edinburgh last year, I did every club gig I did. It just went super well. And I did one club gig and it was just like silence for the whole 10 minutes. And it's not like it was the crowd that sucked because every other comedian, the host and every other comedian except for me was doing well, getting laughs. They just didn't gel with me, you know. So it is really a difficult thing to say, uh, to, to you know, to say. And And the thing is, you have to realize that even the same way that the Springboks, I mean, we are the world champions and we lost today to New Zealand, even the biggest comedians in the world are still having those deaths often. You know, I mean, Dave Chappelle is still going on stage in New York this week, maybe, and having a terrible gig. And that's just the the name of the game. I think... As long as you, and once again, it's similar to rugby because I was literally saying to the guy whose guest house I'm staying at, me and him went together to to the to watch the rugby. And I said to him, it, it didn't matter that we lost today because with, with rugby, it's as long as you win the important games, that's the, the thing that counts. And, and he was saying afterwards, if we win the World Cup, no one is going to remember that we lost today to to New Zealand in this whatever cup for we're playing in, you know. So in comedy as well, if you if you if you kill where it matters, no one is gonna care about the the gigs that you didn't kill. So if you get a Netflix special and you nail that, who cares where you did badly? So but I mean it is hit and miss because comedy is that is the one difference or the, the big difference between arts and sport is that arts or sport is um, is not subjective. Like even if I love the Springboks, if they didn't get the points on the board, like the, 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 the team that gets the points, they get the points. Whereas art is subjective. You know, even, even if I was not the, the better player that day, the crowd could have still liked me more just because it's more opinion based it's not it's not points it's not facts yeah exactly i think um even with my like sort of social media skits and that 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 i've been doing for the past few years um it, it's so funny how you know i'll i'll make this video i'll spend like a few hours you know concepting the video scripting it doing everything and i think it's an absolute banger and then it doesn't perform and then i'll do another video and it took like five minutes to do or something like that and then it just like you know gets a million views or something like that you know and, and i always like sort of tell people you know that are trying to make videos and that is like like you yourself only counts as one view and exactly like you're saying like everything's subjective in that you know so it's you you might think it's great, but then everyone else doesn't think it's great. Or you might think it's all right, and then everyone else all of a sudden bloody loves the the video or you know joke or something that you you're telling. And that's that's often how it goes. Is that the 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 jokes that you kind of throw away are often the jokes that do the best, and the joke that you really think, wow, this is gonna this is gonna be the one. You know, I just searched on Instagram that you know that Sia Kulisi follows you. Are you Stiegs? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. you are. <laughs> Do you know that Sia Kulisi follows you? 
Yeah, yeah, I did a um I did a video like like sort of you know this this one guy was like oh um like it was a video pretty much like oh so you think you can dance or like something like that and then I like did that same format but then I used Sia Khaleesi because he's got like a whole bunch of like videos of him dancing, dancing that, videos, like, yeah. pretty much dancing in that and then like he shared it and he followed me on Instagram and stuff like that and I was yeah. like, what that is like crazy. Yeah. Okay. Well, I just thought I'd tell you. Um, Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. Now, Steegs has mentioned it there. He he fancies himself as a a, a bit of a comedian. And oh, okay. Don't don't <laughs> set me up to get blasted by Skull. Okay. Because <laughs> just just, <laughs> just, uh, just uh, the 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 brief moment I looked at your Instagram, it's it's a lot of traveling. It was it didn't strike me immediately as comedic content, but you know, I mean. Traveling can be funny, I guess. Sunsets can be funny. Yeah. And um, depends how you look at it. So, yeah, so he, he does fancy himself as a bit of a comedian. Spend five minutes with him and, and, and that will tell you that. Now, we usually ask kind of rugby players what their advice to their younger selves or younger rugby players would be. What would your advice be to young comedians in South Africa or comedians that are trying to make it? What's the one thing that you've maybe learned over the years that you didn't know when you first started out? Literally... My advice would be like literally just try and spend as much time as you can on stage. I think with the age of TikTok and social media, not just comedians, but singers, any any sort of art form, have started to get more impatient with the process. And they, they, because I mean, and I get it as well, because you see these people they release one song or trend or what the fuck ever on TikTok. And then the next day they've got a million followers and the next minute they've got an album. And then the next minute they're selling out stadiums. And I think that generation of artists has made people go, okay, I just want to become famous tomorrow, but literally you have to put in the stage time and there will always be those overnight people, you know, but um, you need to you need to do stage time. That's the only way people see you. That's the only way you get better, and that's the only way I feel that you grow as a comedian. That's the way. That's where you test material. Like people often ask me, like, do you test your material on your friends and family? And then I go, well, no, because that's not the audience. I have to test it on the audience. Those are the people coming to the show. So now, like when I get back to Joburg next week I'm doing two weeks of new material nights in Joburg where I am doing 30 people a night that's all I allow just 30 people just to test material and that gives me the freedom to go on stage with notes and I test jokes and 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 I don't I don't feel the pressure to do jokes that are all hilarious you know I have the freedom to be able to try a joke that I'm unsure of and not know, well, this joke is either going to get a laugh or not. But that is the kind of work that you have to put in because a lot of comedians want to create social media content and then suddenly, you know, sell out the Baxter for a month. And that does happen, but that is one in a thousand. And the chances are that you're going to have to be like the rest of us and I include myself in that because, dude, like I said earlier, like you look at, I was a student. Now my December holidays, this is the, the, the point where I'm supposed to be having a holiday. And I was not having holidays then. I was 
went back to Kempton Park where I grew up, I would go there and I would just, because luckily I was in Cape Town, I didn't do the Joburg scene much. And then I would just message everyone I know what gigs are happening in Joburg. And then I did just, just do Joburg as much as I can. And then in the June, July holidays as well, I would often come back to, to Joburg, just do gigs, just do gigs. Um, and that's, that's what you have to do. You have to put in that work on stage and you have to eat shit. I mean, the, the thing is now, every time I have a good gig, often, like even on stage, I have this magical moment where I will just suddenly have this flashback to a gig I did in fucking, I don't know, Cryfontein, where people were playing pool and not even knowing there's comedy going on. And literally the audience are three people and all three of them are playing pool. And you'd like literally in the background just doing your comedy set. And then I would literally have a flashback to that moment and think to myself, wow, you know, this gig that I'm having that's going really well, I deserve this because I did eat the shit when I was. And I'm sure that's why I often think that comedy and sports is actually more similar than people think, because I'm sure that even rugby players have that moment where they're playing for the Springboks, but they think, yeah, look at when I was playing for this club and our games would be not even on a proper field. And we had three people sitting in the stands and the other team we're playing against would fucking hit you with a spanner in the scrum and whatever. Like, I'm sure they have those moments as well, you know, and you just have to push through those moments and be disciplined and be diligent to build up to when you are where you are. No, yeah. I think I think exactly that, you know, like, I mean, you you see well, what I've noticed on YouTube recently is that Matt Reif and uh, Troy Bond, they've been going quite viral recently on YouTube. And, you know, so many people would see like, oh, you know, these guys just popped out of nowhere. But it's like, you know, they don't really see the years of exactly like you're saying, like eating shit, you know, some of those gigs that weren't going so well, some of them that were going well and, you know, working like practicing that crowd work as well, you know, because that's like a bloody art in itself as well, you know, to just be able to switch on and, and click on to a joke and that. But for, for people that don't understand the, the creative process of, you know, um, scripting and writing jokes for your, your specials or anything like that, they only see that special. How does that sort of look like? Where, where do you get your inspiration from your creativity? Um, how long do you generally spend, um, you know, sort of scripting and, and getting prepared for, say, a special or something like that? Yeah, I, I think the, the difficult thing is that it, it doesn't come over. Uh, it's not something that you sit down and then for like a week you go, OK, I'm going to write a special in this week. You know, it's material that you accumulate over a long amount of time. But I think the new material nights that I do help a lot with it. But also often like you, even before you were a comedian, you were already thinking or writing the material just through your experiences that you were <laughs> that you were having. And only later, once you became a comedian, you only had the brain, you know, to actually think back to those moments and go, actually, that's really funny. I should turn that into material. But I would, I would say the best way to do it is just to get out there and, and live because chances are you're not really going to think of that much material if you're just sitting at home. So, you know, the times that I do have off, I try and be active. And I don't necessarily mean that in a physical sense, but go to people's houses, chill, 
and braai and drink wine and do those things because often it's just like something that a friend of yours says that sparks an idea like your a friend will say like oh i played for the cockus cricket team in the in the school and we were like the seventh cricket team and then you go yeah no no i was actually in the the third tennis team and that's what was so cock and then that makes you think hey that's actually funny and you know then you realize if i didn't go out that night and spend time with this friend of mine who said this thing then that i wouldn't have thought about this thing and i wouldn't never have thought about the joke so often it's just you know just get out there spend time with people you know often like my friends i think any comedian like their friends are responsible for so much of the jokes you know no exactly i mean there's so many youtube videos that i've done in the past where um you know i'll film my mates and that and they'll do some, like some weird or funny things and that and it just like makes the videos and that you know so it's yeah 100% agree with you with that but even like you know oh, i'm going to put myself on blast scott i'll tell the oh. tell the Empress story <laughs> but this was like this was like one of the moments where i was like yes like and i need to turn this into like a joke you know um so obviously I went to go visit scott in edinburgh and then we went out we're having a few drinks and I met this um this this uh chick from Syria like she she's um not too bad but um yeah I ended up like you know trying to figure out Scott went home and then I wanted to go back to like his place and I was like shit I don't know this guy's address so I'm trying to look for this house in Edinburgh <laughs> eventually get there and then like I open the door and this like cat just like runs in or or something like that and then I'm just like oh shit this cat and I was like no nah, bugger that man like I've eventually found this house I'm gonna like take us to go and whatever and it was so funny obviously next morning we get up we go for coffee and that like outside of the the apartment building is the sign this one lost cat sign and it was the cat from last night that i let in the house accidentally so yeah i i completely get what you're saying with that because like as soon as i i you know experienced that moment I was like, man, there's definitely a way, and and that's the obviously the the art that that you're so good at is is the storytelling aspect of how do I take this funny story and just elevate it that little bit more, you know, to have that um, comedic timing and everything like that. No cat was hurt in the making of this podcast, and the cat is it was returned. Returned. I've seen the cat in my neighbor's window, so it's okay. The only damage was the unfortunate neighbor that had to go spend the money on all those posts that printed a thousand flyers <laughs> just to see the cat again in one hour, and was like, "Oh, that's now a hundred pounds down the drain." Hey, someone's got to be passing out those flyers, man. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Once again, flyering, it's the worst job in the world. <laughs> you also have to recognize that moment as something comedic. You know, like some some people, I guess, would just experience that moment and be like, ha ah, and then just continue with their lives. You have to have that moment where you stop and pause and go, okay, wait, this is material. And somewhere you have to actually take five minutes and whether it's on your phone, I, I just make notes on my phone normally, if it's on your phone or wherever, and just make a note and say cat story or whatever. So that when you are doing your new material night and you are working on the show, because I mean, that story you'll just forget if, you know, it will just kind of, kind of leave if, if you don't make a note to remember it. 
and then yeah like a lot of lot of stuff from from school that that just in the moment was just simple and normal but then thinking back to it now you think actually that was really weird and that's funny skull talking about time at school there's a story that you told during your edinburgh set that really really stood out to me and my my partner is from scotland so her her afrikaans is very limited as is mine i must admit but she'll she'll sometimes just look at me and say million for for no reason i'm not sure she quite understands what it means yet that story for me i also don't quite understand what it means that story really stood out. Is that something you're you're able to tell our listeners a little bit about? You you mentioned playing balls with your dad earlier. Yeah, I mean, it, it was just like a, the short version is just like when I used to do athletics, my dad used to stand on the sideline and shout, Mili Om! And a Mili is a corn on the cob and Om is him. So translation would be corn on the cob him. And it doesn't really make sense. It doesn't translate to anything linguistically, but... It was just this thing that my dad's coach used to shout Miliom. He made it up and he used to shout it for my dad to motivate him. And then my dad passed it down to the next generation to me. And the joke is actually that like you, you Miliom, you go, you know, it, does, it doesn't really make sense. Like it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. But at the same time, if you're like running and someone shouts Miliom, you would just fucking instinctively, you would you know, you would pick up some pace. So ironically, it did make sense, you know, because it did work to an extent. Now, Skulk, I'm quite interested to hear, you, you obviously live in South Africa at the moment. You, you travel quite a lot, so you get to see a lot of other countries around the world. Casting your mind back to 2019 when the box won the World Cup, what was the effect that you saw in South Africa as a nation when they won the World Cup? And and what what were your thoughts after that and and on the effect itself um that's a bit, wow scott dude like we went from like sort of like surface questions to like how do you write material <laughs> like the really the really big stuff quite was quite a big transition there i wouldn't say i mean i know this is going to sound very depressing but i i wouldn't say i saw that much of a i think it's very short lived um when we when when something happens like uh the the Boca winning the World Cup, I don't mean to sound negative by saying that, but I mean I think the at the moment the negative in the country kind of if something big positively happens, like like the rugby team winning the World Cup, it gets smothered so quickly again by the negative, where I think in 1995 the ANC was still so new that there wasn't all the issues that we were experiencing now. Obviously, in 1995, there wasn't the load shedding, there wasn't the potholes, there wasn't the corruption. And that's all the stuff that makes people really super negative in the country right now. So, I mean, I think the 1995 World Cup would have had a much bigger effect and a much more visible effect. Whereas in 2019, it's you know, almost as if, you know, like there's this story in in the Bible about the seeds falling on the ground and then the thorns coming up immediately and smothering the seeds. I feel like it was like that a little bit. Like the it was this excitement about the World Cup and then, you know, once we all went back to work and once the new week started, it was just like, 
the reality of the situation that we're in again and all the negative, which is the corruption and the load shedding and the potholes and all that cock. And then, yeah, it's sort of short-lived. So I wouldn't say I saw a, um, a visible change, really, to be honest. I think that's quite interesting because yeah, a lot of people kind of maybe would have expected it to have a long-term impact. But I think the reality is life life starts getting very real once the once the weekend is ended and monday comes around no and i i i think a lot of the negativity that is in south africa at the moment is is not a racial issue i think it is a government issue and that is a constant in in our lives and in black white no matter what race you are it's a constant in all of our lives and as long as that is there that is gonna always be the sort of the base level of what we feel anything that interrupts that like a world cup win or whatever will sort of give you a brief release of that but in general that will be the base level of the the general feeling in south africa but i have to follow that up by saying i think if there is a country that is equipped with dealing with it the best, it's us. Um, because no matter how bad it goes here, there's people making memes, there's people making jokes on Facebook. I mean, my family group always, is it, it's so funny. It's just people sharing like the most hilarious things. And I just think it's a, it's a, that is a big compliment to us and something that we shouldn't lose sight of with, with how good we are with, uh laughing in the darkest times and not just laughing at the situation but laughing at ourselves and that is a very good quality to have i always say a person if you want to bring it down to people a person that that can't laugh at themselves is not like that's like a, a cock person you know like you have to be able to if you made a fool of yourself you have to be able to take a step back and say, okay, yeah, no, that was stupid, or I looked stupid, or I am stupid, or whatever. And you have to be able to take a step back and stand with your mates and, and laugh at yourself. You know, that that for me is always a sign of a lack of person, a person that's able to laugh at themselves. So I think we are very good at that. But I think until things drastically change in our country, then no amount of World Cups will be able to, to lift us beyond that. The only thing that will be able to lift us um, among that uh, above that is a change in government. Unfortunately, you know, I, and it's weird for me to be speaking about this because I'm not really, um, as a comedian, I'm I'm not a political comedian. I don't do political material and stuff, but that's the only way I see forward for for a real change in the country's what do you call it like gemoed, um yeah. well keeks you must be you must be a really lack of person considering the fact that you can laugh at yourself after your antics last night so there we go uh, got the, the seal of approval 100 percent, man but no exactly what you're saying Skog, is like south africans are so good at just like you know something will hectic will happen in the news or something and then all of a sudden not even like 10 minutes later there's memes everywhere like you know the 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 internet is just like the number one uh like champion in that you know with regards to that 
Skulk, uh, we like to to end uh, the the podcast with with a couple of quick fire questions. Now, usually these are rugby related, but we've we've changed them a little bit for yourself. So we're going to do a bit no, of a I want the rugby ones. No, I'm joking. We're going to do, okay, go, go, do go, go, go. Uh, a Skulk the said note special. So first thing that comes to mind, shoot, your favorite place in South Africa to do a stand up gig. Oh, um, you know. I actually did two nights now in George, and I must say George is is my favorite at the moment because George has that it's somewhere be, George is somewhere between Cape Town and Pretoria because it has it has that artiness of Cape Town because it's in the Cape, but it, at the same time it has that commonness of Pretoria. It is somewhere in between. It's not too arty farty, but it's also not too like let's just get fucked up as possible so it's somewhere in between and which, um, we, which is which is i feel like in that space is where stand-up comedy lives it doesn't take itself too seriously but at the same time it's not a rugby game or it's not like music where you can come and just get as drunk as possible and act a fool like there is still a level of you need to sit and keep quiet and pay attention to what's happening on stage What's your uh, favorite place outside of South Africa to perform? I think if I have to take my international tour this year, you know what, Perth, I think was really lacquer. Because just for the reason that everywhere outside of Perth in Australia, people hate on Perth. People just say Perth is the worst place. And like, I was so nervous to go to Perth because like, Everywhere in Australia, they're like, hey, where are you going after this? And it's like, no, I'm going to Melbourne, Sydney, Perth. And they're like, oh, you're ending on Perth. Oh, that's the worst place to end on. How are you ending on a low? And Perth ended up being really awesome shows. It was, once again, similar to George. I felt like those people were like just the right amount of rowdiness, but, but, but also just behave themselves at the same time. Whereas Melbourne can be a little bit, not all the crowds, but Melbourne can be a little bit like this, uh-huh. like a little bit uppity sometimes. Yeah. And what is the show that you've enjoyed in your career the most so far? Wow. The show I've enjoyed the most, you know, I, I always, I always say, obviously, I think people would expect me to say like a one man show that I've did because that is my own show. But the shows that I op- was the opening act for Trevor Noah at the um, Teatro at Monte Cassino, because that was just because of the place that I was at in my career at that stage, I was still performing in bars sometimes where there's 10 people, 20 people. And then often half of those 20 people are the other comedians on the lineup and the other half are drunk. And then just to go from that place in your career to like going and performing at the teatro for a month 10 minutes on stage every night performing to an adoring crowd 2000 people i mean that was just next level and what's your favorite red wine my favorite red wine i would say at the moment is the valera melo it's melo so, man it's and finally do you think that the box can win the world cup this year I think yes, but I, and I think this morning convinced me that I don't think it will be as easy as in, in 2019. I think there are teams, especially Ireland, who are, who have stepped up their game 
we really shouldn't underestimate going in. And I, I, I mean, look, it, fuck, it's the Springboks. I don't think that the Springboks are going in underestimating a team like Ireland. But yeah, it's just interesting because, I mean, in 2019, I think just as normal rugby watchers, we weren't really... Maybe maybe I should rephrase it and say, I don't think that this... Instead of saying that I don't think that the Springboks should underestimate them, I think that we shouldn't underestimate them, we as spectators. Because I think we as Springbok supporters only see New Zealand as the the threat. But I think there there are other teams that have stepped up their game in the last four years, like Ireland and um, even, you know, Scotland and Argentina, that we really shouldn't put it past them to to beat us. Yeah. Just to manage that expectation a little bit. Definitely. If, like like if, if if we play against Ireland, that would actually normally I would only watch because I'm not like a massive rugby supporter, you know. So I would only watch the big games I would watch against New Zealand and Australia and whatever. But now South Africa versus Ireland would actually be a game that I would make sure that I watch because I think that would be a game that's going to be very interesting in the in the World Cup. And it could be a deal breaker, I think. Aren't we in Ireland's pool? Yeah, Ireland, Scotland, Tonga and Romania are the... Yeah, uh, look, I don't think teams. we have to worry about Romania. That's not coming from a rugby expert. But, you know, I think if we <laughs> lose against Romania... I think then this sudden then I think Rassi must get fired. But um, but <laughs> like Ireland and Scotland, I think are teams that I wouldn't underestimate. Four years later, after the 2019 World Cup, because they were really good now. And am I not mistaken in saying that Ireland is the favourites to win? Yeah. So yeah. Ireland, Ireland's number one. Well, I think France are the favourites to win, but Ireland's the 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 number one team in the world at the moment. So. We've we've got to beat we've got to beat Ireland in our pool, and then we either need to beat the All Blacks or France in the quarters, and then probably another team in the semis, and then make it to the final. So it's a tough run. Luxem, yeah. No, I wouldn't want to be the Springboks right now. <laughs> Skulk, thank you for for being such a great guest. It's been a, a pleasure to speak to you. For anyone wondering. Where are the, your shows for the rest of the, the rest of the year, and and what are the details for 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 your friends show? Um, I think at the moment I'm just taking it sort of month by month, but I'm, yeah, I think the next shows that you can catch me it would be Edinburgh Fringe Festival if you're going to be there. Um, at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival in August, I think it's two to twenty seven or twenty eight August. It's basically the full month of of August and um, the tickets available on skullposeidner.com Great stuff thank you very much once again you've been a, a great guest and we've appreciated your time Thanks Scott thanks Keegan good luck with your comedy career come come open for me one of the nights in Edinburgh I'll do 10 minutes less and then you can Hey look here look here let's, let's, let's make a deal Skulk if the if the Boca win the World Cup or, or something when I <laughs> do my, my, my opening um, you know first time on the on the stage Maybe you can Okay, fine. If the Boca win the World Cup, you are coming you are doing an opening set for me one one show. <laughs> no, you must you, you must come and watch me in um in the summertime sometime when I when I give it a crack for the first time. And then yeah, whatever whatever you have to say, I'll be all ears and um yeah. So where do you where do you live? Where will that be? Cape Town. 
Okay, I am actually doing shows in Cape Town in November. So if the Boca win the World Cup, you are opening one of those shows. <laughs> that would be brilliant. I'm not sure Deal. Skulk knows what he's just done. <laughs> Are you going to be in Edinburgh in August? Guys? I will be. I will be in Edinburgh in August, and I will be there probably the first or the second week of your show. Donkey. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the SAF Pod. We'll be back next week to preview the final round of the Rugby Championship and to see how the game against the ABs has affected the team for that game against the Pumas. Until then, go check out the socials, give us a like or a follow, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>